Welcome to the wonderful world of Leah Scallon. I'm so excited to have her as a guest on Passion Harvest today. Leah Scallon is an award-winning composer, sacred songstress, writer and producer of the Sounds of Sirius series of healing music albums. Leah's unique otherworldly vocals have been transporting listeners to that sanctuary within the heart where they can connect with their own inner wisdom and ability to heal. Leah's sacred songs and accompanying language of light reach deep into your soul, awakening the remembrance of your life's purpose. The sounds of Sirius are calling you home. This is her story and this is her passion. Leah, welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Very exciting to be here. I'd like to start with where it all began, these incredible galactic frequencies, which I have listened to, and they're beautiful. If you don't mind, how did you remember? How did it come back to you? Well, you know, that is very interesting. Uh, it was a very, it, it has been a very interesting journey. Um, my channel opened originally um, when I was at university years um, ago. And uh, at that stage, I was in my last year at Trinity College Dublin and I was just about to do my final exams and this, these strange sounds, language and, you know, melodies started to come through me. So it sort of freaked me out a little bit, to be honest. And I really didn't know what to do with them. And the idea, the only thing I could do at that time was basically shut everything down. I shut my spirituality down because, um, you know, I'd always been, I suppose, really quite sensitive, spiritually connected and, um, you know, growing up in a very Catholic, devout Catholic Irish family, I just thought people are going to think I'm possessed by the devil. They're going to, you know, so I really didn't know what to do with it. And I shut it all down. And that remains so for many, many years. And it wasn't until, um, I came back to live in Australia in 1989, 1990. I, um, I got sick. As happens, of course, when you're denying a large part of yourself, eventually the body sort of says, okay, enough of that. And um, we're going to do something about this. So I knew pretty well instantly that this, um, I got glandular fever for the second time in my life. And basically I had a very strong instinct that it was really something that I was not going to be sort of fixing on a physical level, it was much more a question of me having to go deep within myself and having to uh, really, I suppose, open up again spiritually, which is what I did. And um, that process took a long time. I, as soon as I started to uh, do that inward journey, the sound started to come through me again. So this time I was a little bit more mature. I had a little bit more life experience. So I realized that these sounds were obviously coming to help me. They were coming to help me heal myself. And so I just let them come through and they would always come through in a meditation setting in a, you know, when I was praying or meditating or whatever. So I 
you know, the whole energy around them was very sweet and very nurturing and very pure and very loving. So I just allowed myself to surrender to them. And uh, that started me off on a path of really investigating many other spiritual modalities, healing modalities and whatever. And uh, it was a period of about 10 years. And I, I would say that it was a sort of dark night of the soul because I had to really question everything in my life. And particularly the whole spiritual or let's say religious dogma that I'd been brought up mm -hmm. with, programming that I'd sort of been brought up to as one of eight children in this, you know, Catholic family. And uh, so it was very challenging and uh, quite traumatic at times. But, you know, as time went on, I got more and more knowledge. I got more and more understanding. And so by the end of that 10 years, I um, had a sense that these sounds were not just going to be used for me. They had, of course, developed over that 10 years. They had expanded, I suppose, as I released a lot of my own baggage and I expanded my own vibrational, raised my own vibrational frequency. Then the sounds that were coming through were also expanding. So by the end of that 10 years, as I said, I kind of had an instinct that these sounds were going to be used for other people. But um, I basically sort of said, well, you know, if that's what you want to happen, you better make it very clear. I was in no way rushing to get out there. I, because quite frankly, I'd never um, had anybody use sound on me with all the healing modalities I'd experienced over those 10 years. I'd never heard the word toning. I'd never heard of anybody doing anything like this. So this was, I thought people are going to think I'm mad. What am I going to call myself? What am I going to say it is that I do? And, uh, but it was urgent and they just said, you know, print a business card and get out there. But it was interesting towards the end of that time, I'd had a healing session with this lady who, um, I really trusted. She was a very, very powerful crystal healer. And during this particular session, um, at the end, she said, they've told me to tell you something. Um, they said, you're not from here. You're from Sirius. I went, what? <laughs> but it kind of made sense to me in a way because I'm kind of suppose one of those people who has felt they've never belonged here in a way, you know, and I felt almost like I didn't belong in my family, that I was different. And so I was a bit taken aback, but it sort of made sense. And it always also made sense to me from the perspective of I had, since a childhood, I'd had this very powerful connection with Egypt. No idea where it came from, but I always, I sort of imagined myself as Cleopatra. And I was just, you know, as a child, always reading stories about Egypt. And I had this really powerful connection with Egypt. And of course, Sirius was, uh, the star system Sirius is very important and has been very important to the Egyptian culture um, at the a helical rising of Sirius. Um, that is when the flooding of the Nile happens, which brings abundance to the land of Egypt. And the Great Pyramid of Cheops, for example, the King's Chamber is aligned with Orion and the Queen's Chamber is aligned with Sirius. So my work uh, up until that point, I had felt that the frequencies that were coming through me and the sort of 
the light beings I was working with were primarily the angelic realm and also the divine feminine, the divine mother energy. So the fact that Sirius was aligned with the Queen's Chamber also made sense because I was working with the Divine Feminine. So um, it was sort of sometime after that, that then in meditation one day, I basically said to them <laughs> up there, out there, whatever you like to say, I asked what this language was that was coming through me. And the reply that came back was that this was the true language of Sirius. It was the language from before language was recorded. It was the root of all language. And then I saw this huge pear-shaped diamond placed in my third eye. And they said that the work I was to do was to be known as diamond healing with the sounds of Sirius. So that was a bit of a mouthful. But anyway, wow. <laughs> I bought myself a business card together and I, I put uh, the diamond as a visual and as a graphic, and I call the work Healing with the Sounds of Sirius. And I literally, I rented a room, and I just made myself available. And I suppose before that, what I did was I started to experiment on other people, my willing friends, etc., who um, allowed me to work on them. And what I would do, I would literally, to begin with it, if they lay on my <laughs> dining table, padded dining <laughs> table, and... Uh, uh, I would sing over them and use these sounds on them. And the response was extraordinary. People were having incredible healings, visions. They were seeing colors. They were seeing colors that they'd never seen before, geometric shapes and patterns. And so I thought, okay, there's something here. that This is meant to be. And then I, that gave me the courage to basically go out and you know, rent a room and whatever. And really, that's where it started. How wonderful. <laughs> I mean, yes, I don't know where to start, but it really resonated with me. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you first start into awaken spiritually and you don't want anyone to think you're a little bit weird or cuckoo, particularly, you know, with the family background and friends, friends kind of dissipate and change along the way but I love you know the incredible work that you do today wouldn't have come about if you didn't trust yourself and I think that's so fundamental to all all of the healing work that light workers do is the trust I absolutely agree uh, Louisa I think that is totally fundamental it certainly has been to my journey what I found uh, and the journey that I've traveled um, since that um, time and that was 1999, I think I opened, or 2000, I opened the healing practice. So that's, you know, <laughs> nearly 20 years. 30 years ago. <laughs> so, um, what's happened since that, some of the things literally are stranger than fiction. And, uh, you know, you do think if I tell people this stuff, they're going to think I'm loop for loop, you know, it's just, but what I've noticed, there's one sort of common thing throughout is that. Very often I'm asked to go do first without having uh, the knowledge of why I'm doing something. I've been, you know, really told to go somewhere, to go to a sacred site, to go to do whatever. And it's then it's later that I get the rationale for it. So it's very much a question of trusting your intuition, watching for the signs. And you learn, I think, as you go. Uh, you learn to spot the signs, you learn to become more and more aware and more alert and more awake 
to the sands, whether to come through or through the signs rather, whether to come through another person, through a book, through a situation you find yourself in, and uh, all these little um, signs of confirmation that you get along the way that um, tell you that you're sort of on the right path. And yeah, you just have to keep walking the walk. And your family still talk to you? <laughs> uh, yes, well, that's been a sort of a type, tightrope, <laughs> uh, walking a tightrope. Um, the thing is, I now live in Australia, so uh, most of my family are, well, all my family are over in, are up in the Northern Hemisphere. So, you know, it has been a challenge, you know, because I was going back home to Ireland every year while my parents were alive. And so I just... Um, you know, I believe everybody has a different path, an individual path, and everyone gets to where they're going through their own individual means. It's not my way to try and ram my <laughs> beliefs down no. anybody else's throat. And I, so I chose to um, really, I suppose, stay under the radar as much as possible, not to upset people and just to to continue my path uh, with trust in myself and not confront unless I actually had to. Mm. And so I suppose that's how it's worked. And it's interesting over time, some of my family have begun to see who I am. Um, it does hurt because, you know, you are not seen for who you are really basically, but at the same time you have compassion because you know that, um, you know, those people are on their own path. They have their own road to travel. They have their own discoveries to make. And it's just not the way I'm doing it. That's all. Yeah, different. And yeah. Um, I just have to ask, when you say the, the songs come to you, do they just, are they always in meditation or not necessarily? Well, look, I find now that I'm always almost always on 24 seven in a sense, the door is so widely open now that for example, if I'm speaking to you and we speak about something and they want to bring a message through for you, then I feel it within me. I can feel it rising up in a sense within me. And so then with your permission or whatever, I can bring it through like that. Um, so it's always kind of just there under the surface now. Um, uh, it's much more accessible. When I started, first of all, uh, it took a lot out of me. The sessions were very long and very involved. And the energy, because I suppose the frequency was very different to what we are normally used to. These yeah. are very, very high frequencies. And so when they're coming through you, the physical body has to get used to that frequency being in the body or going through the body. So now 30 years later, my body is much more used to that frequency. But again, it's, it's all the time expanding, 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 yeah. expanding. So even in more recent times, I uh, noticed that there are a lot more uh, variety of languages coming through me. I believe that there are a lot more, I suppose, different beings wanting to access this planet through this vehicle that I am. In a sense, I see myself as a transmitter, a receiver and a transmitter. So I'm receiving the high frequencies, these high source frequencies, and I'm transmitting them into this 3D space. Mm -hmm. 
And are they always in, uh, I guess what I'm going to call it, a, a song or a tune or have some melody attached to it or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's, um, they can be almost like a discourse. There was a, there was a change, I think, a sort of a quantum change for me around probably around 2013-ish. There was a lot happened in 2012. And then in 2013, I was given very clear instructions that I had to do this tour called the Sounds of Source Tour, not the Sounds of Sirius Tour, the Sounds of Source Tour. And this was, they told me that this was all to do about bringing through specific frequencies to help people deal with the, uh, the increase in solar uh, radiation, solar flare activity that was coming onto the planet. That was a time, I think, when there was a massive, you know, NASA was uh, recording and still is, I think, you know, a massive peaking in solar flare activity. And um, really, uh, I think it's sort of become recognized that this has been affecting people physically, mentally, emotionally, people, a lot of people ending up literally in mental institutions, not knowing what's wrong with them because they're not coping with these new I suppose, gamma rays, radiation, whatever it is that's hitting the planet. So I was told to basically go out and do this tour and bring through these frequencies which were coming through in the sacred indigo ray. And part of that was to bring through um, and to create this stone called the source stone. Yes, I read about that. Yeah. And so basically uh, these frequencies that were going to be coming through me were to help people adjust to the uh, radiation, the solar flares, and the stone would help anchor and ground the frequencies as well. If people you know, were holding the stone and working with the stone, it would help to anchor those frequencies and stabilize them. And so that's what I did. Um, the stone ended up being a lapis stone, a 10-sided uh, decagon sacred geometry stone and um, I was told that in time as these stones you know went out through the globe that they would create their own sacred indigo indigo grid of light and I believe that has happened in these last years and it's getting stronger and stronger but what I um, what I noticed when I was going around and I didn't really have a plan at the outset but it became clear that I was supposed to do four events in each area that I went to, whether it be Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, whatever it was. I had to do four events in the four directions, north, south, east and west. And what they showed me that that was doing, it was creating a pillar of light. And that then this was basically anything that would enter that pillar of light would be sort of um, uh, transformed or transfigured. And that you could just see this um, pillar of light then, in a sense, sucking in all the debris from the whole city of Sydney, for example, you know. Yeah. And then people that were at those events and understood what was happening, they would then work with this pillar of light on an ongoing basis, and then it would get larger and larger and larger. So, um, but it was around that time that I, when I was preparing for that tour, that I noticed the language coming through me and there was, it seemed to be one stream of consciousness in particular was coming through with this particular project. And the language, it was sort of like ancient Italian. It had an Italian, Italian at feel. And uh, there was an urgency and excitement about it. I felt it was, they kept talking about La Grande Duce and La Gruppa, La Gruppa, La Gruppa. The big event. <laughs> 
gather the group for La Grande Duce. I felt like there's something massive that's going to happen here. And I'm to gather the group, gather all these people together for this big thing that's going to happen. So, um, and in a sense, they're still talking about Le Grande Duce, but it was around that time then that I met um, uh, Mary Rodwell, who is working with, um, she's working with a lot of uh, star children. She's been on the program as well. All right. Yeah, she's Um, lovely, Mary. (laughs) And so Mary, you know, is a counsellor and she's found that her journey is that she's attracted all these people who have had um, sort of encounters with star beings Mm. and including a lot of children. So uh, as the divine will would have it, Mary and I encountered each other uh, around that time. And uh, a channeling came through me during that time and she said, that um, she felt that the the language that was coming through me was the words were like compressed files and that each word was almost like a library of information. And she explained about these new children that are coming through at this time and that she feels that these, uh, you know, I think a lot of light workers are in that sort of understanding that we're in the process of almost creating a new earth at the moment that human consciousness is being raised and that we simply have to raise the consciousness of the planet now because we're in a sort of a very critical uh, stage but there are these new uh, children being born onto the planet now who are not coming in with the same amnesia as we came in with Mm. coming in with full memory of where they came from and who they are but she says they're coming in with the hardware intact but it's like the sounds of Sirius are the software they need to basically activate the hardware that they're coming in with. Mm, So they're interrelated. So they're interrelated. So these sounds that these children who will hear these sounds, it's almost like it's there. It's the software they need for the, for this computer hardware that they've come in with. But it was very interesting. She also, um, I told her about this grande duce because this was very fresh and this was half time. And there was another lady with her, it was somebody who was traveling with her and who obviously knew her work intimately. And so I told her about the Grande Duce and this feeling of urgency and this feeling that I felt that I was gathering all these people together for, for this big event. And she sort of looked at the other lady and said, oh my God, the big event. And apparently she had been interviewing a lot of people, children and adults, who were all speaking of this big event that was imminent. Now, she said that they're saying that they don't know what it is. They can't put any um, sort of structure on it because it's like something our consciousness cannot even, could not even comprehend at this time. So I think uh, since that time, I've been aware of a more, I suppose, galactic nature to my work. Before, until that stage, it was very much about the healing. It was very much about healing individuals. It was very much about, yes, healing the planet as well. But at that juncture, I think it became more a case of my work expanding into more earth work, more working with the earth um, ley lines, with the crystalline grid, 
and with the galactic frequencies that are coming in onto the planet. And so therefore, what I'm noticing now is that, I mean, every day it's new languages, it's new, uh, it's new frequencies. Actually, I have something just before we, um, I remembered something that somebody mm -hmm. uh, came through with. I, I'd like to read you something. Sure. Rissa said, um, we can see what you're trying to do. You're trying to bring through new technologies, but the time, the conditions are not quite ready for some of these yet. Each of the places that you touch your energy to are like references. So when you touch a place or an energy or more simply an information state, you are able to transcribe that energy through your vocalization. It seems like you are at the winds of change. You have an instinctual ability to connect to an energy and bring forth information. You're connecting to an information state. And when you connect to that information state, you bring through sound information. So when we observed you attempting to bring forth a variety of techniques for the harmonization of this time and this plane, you are linking to the locations where those technologies originate. You are connecting to references of energy, references of information, like you're touching your finger to a color and transcribing the color through your language. Your sensitivity is growing, so anywhere you put your attention, there's part of this expertise you've allowed to come forth that will start to spring forth more and more and more information. You have such a great capacity that many domains and the beings of other realities that hold the domain here on Earth are sighing with relief because there's somebody to hear them. That's lovely. So that was really special to hear that. And it explained a lot for me. It explained why so many different languages were coming through and how many different energies, in a sense, were coming through me. But what I would say, Louise, is that is common to all of these um, streams of consciousness or streams of energy that are coming through me is that there is great benevolence, uh, a sense of unconditional love and compassion for humanity. Very often when I'm channeling, especially when I'm channeling with someone else, tears will be streaming down my face because the compassion and the love for the person is so overwhelming. It is just so sweet and so pure. I'm even getting emotional just even thinking about it now. So that for me is the litmus test. Um, you know, when I, uh, the one thing that I do as a practice is I always put out a command that only energies of the highest and purest vibration be allowed to enter my, my vehicle, be allowed to enter my field. And that is a command that is, you know, there's no negotiation. Mm. So um, therefore only energies of the highest uh, frequency and the highest vibration are allowed to use this vehicle. So, so um, just from what I'm hearing, what you, there's two parts to it. So you're channeling separately, but also um, when you say they speak to you. So is it the same person or is it different people that are, that are speaking to you? aside from the channeling, or is it all combined when you're I, separating I, the two? 
I think it's all combined because okay. when I say they speak to me, um, uh, they speak to me. I mean, how do we get messages from mm -hmm. the other realms? Mm -hmm. um, I think we are becoming aware now, many of us become aware, have become aware that we are multidimensional beings. We're not just this physical body we're in. There are many other realms out there. And I think the veil between the dimensions is thinning. It's getting thinner and thinner all the time. And so I think that the beings that are in those other realms, whatever they may be, whether they are spirit guides, whether they be galactic beings, whether they be our ancestors, um, that they are finding it easier perhaps to get through to us now. So uh, a lot of my messages come when I put myself in a state of uh, receptivity um, in through meditation and just being in silent space. Mm. And when I allow, I give permission for those energies to come through. Sometimes it's just pure gut intuition. I will just think I've got to do this. I've got to pick that book off the shelf. I've got to speak to somebody. And, you know, um, you learn to just listen to yourself and to trust yourself, you know, and it's amazing what happens when you do that. And, uh, you know, to begin with, my journey was very solitary. Um, when I started out with this work, there was really nobody else that I was aware of that was doing this, you know, that was, I never heard of star seeds or other people speaking like language or now there are lots of people you see on Facebook or whatever people mm. are they're writing like language, they're speaking like language, they're singing like language. But when I began, there was none of that there. So in a sense, I was, I suppose, a bit of a pioneer in that way. And it took a lot of courage to go out and I sort of expose myself. But in more recent years, it's been wonderful because I've met now a lot of like-minded souls. I have some beautiful uh, connections with other light workers and it's amazing how much in tandem you can be. You know, I've gone on journeys, sacred journeys with other people, and the way those journeys have come together with such synchronicity, uh, it's just mind-blowing, really. So when you put yourself in that space of trust and surrender, and you begin to learn to listen to your intuition and follow it, then incredible things can happen. I agree. <laughs> Just talking back to the channeling, there is also the theory that everything is channeled. So um, I guess there's a fine line between what is channeling and what is not. Um, my question also is when you say you're channeling or he you hear the messages, I find often people are quite interested how the messages come to you. Is it, a, is it visual? Is it like you he hearing the words? How to, or is it a feeling with inside your body? All of the above. Okay. All of the above. Sometimes, um, you know, my channeling is primarily in light language. In more recent times, sometimes they will come through in English and they will, it will, you know, the message, I will get a message through in English. Interestingly, I've never really had any compulsion to try and translate the light language. And I think uh, I now kind of understand that. I remember um, coming across. Uh, a piece in the book of Enoch a few years ago and uh, where it speaks of it speaks of light language and it basically says that 
These words are coding your body into the light and that to translate these words into English or any other known language, it would basically lose their power. They will lose their energetic pulse. So I kind of knew that instinctively. I knew that these words didn't need to be translated and that the power of the words was in the frequency of the words. And so that was really a beautiful confirmation for me to read that. And, uh, and then again, to hear uh, what Mary said about, uh, you know, that the words are compressed files, so you can't translate them. They're basically, they, they're holding so much information, each word. But it's all about vibration. It's all about frequency. I love that because I was about to ask you, you know, do you actually, in our terms, do you understand sometimes the words that you're actually saying, but it's not, which you've just reiterated so well, it's not necessarily the words, it's the frequency. But sometimes we have a tendency to analyze and understand every particle which takes us off of the track oh, quite often. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the, the, the beauty of this um, modality as, as it is, um, is that it frees the mind, the conscious mind. So people that are receiving these sounds, whether it's I'm singing over them, uh, you know, to them in person, or whether they're listening to one of my albums, they can totally free their mind and just let the sounds wash over, wash through them, and just relax. You know, it's not about following a guided meditation. It's not about doing any of that. It's not about engaging your mental process. Mm. It's about going into your soul, going into your heart and your soul and finding the deepest seed of divinity within you. And that's what these sounds are about. It's about, it's about helping people reconnect with their soul and with their soul's purpose. And I, I understood that very early on, Louisa, because... <clears throat> when I, uh, the most common phrase that I've had in the last 30 years, and it's still to this day is the same from people is, I felt like I'd come home. The language feels familiar to them. And it just, and some people literally spontaneously burst into tears. They think, oh my God, at last somebody understands me. Somebody understands where I'm from. So there are a lot of people out there who don't feel they belong here. You know, they don't feel that they're understood. And somehow this language is reconnecting them with their place of origin. It's reconnecting them with their soul. It's reconnecting them to source, basically. That was so beautiful. It's funny. It's uncanny because just about when I've got a train of thought and I'm about to ask you a question, you, you answer it for me. <laughs> they're anticipating <laughs> they are, they are anticipating. i really want to ask you about the ancient um energetic portals on the earth that i saw you'd put somewhere i think it was on your website that i'm quite interested in if you don't mind just having a little ch chat about that what are they where are they how do you know that they're there well, again, you know, this is something I've been led, led into by my intuition and by, you know, following the crumbs, as it were. Right. Um, and now it's a, a part of my journey that I absolutely love, which is connecting uh, with sacred sites and, you know, beginning to understand, and I'm absolutely no expert whatsoever, to understand that 
the earth has what are called ley lines, energy lines, which run across all through the planet. And at certain points where these energy lines uh, converge or intersect, uh, you get uh, what you might call like a power node. It seems that where these convergence of these energy lines takes place, that um, you have a place of very high potency of energy. It's like a vortex, yeah. or you could call it a gateway, a doorway to other realms or whatever. And it's interesting that our ancient ancestors obviously knew all about this because on many of these ancient uh, PowerPoints or these PowerPoints are uh, temples, whether it be, you know, the pyramids of Egypt, Stonehenge, you know, Newgrange in Ireland, the Mexican pyramids. Uh, there are places all over the planet that are harnessing, the, our ancestors harnessed this energy and they created places of ceremony and sacred space. So I've been drawn to, I think my first journey was in 2006. I went to the Yucatan in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a life-changing journey for me on many levels. So you felt it? I felt the energy. I had, I'd really, I had read a little bit about the Mayan uh, culture, but my uh, love had always been, and my connection had always been to Egypt, but somehow I was being drawn into this Mayan thing. And then this journey came up and I felt, I just knew I had to do it. I didn't know why, but mm -hmm. I knew I had to do it. So I followed that um, sort of intuition and I went there. And so I, uh, it was the first time that I experienced being in a place like this, where the energy was so high and all these incredible temples in, in the Maya, Palenque and Chichen Itza and Uxmal were all over the walls of these incredible uh, stories and information that our ancestors have left for us to find at this time. And including, you know, what looked like galactic beings mm. carved into stone. But on that journey, as well as experiencing that, uh, energy of the sacred site and the power vortex, I also came in touch with crystal skulls for the first time. And that was mind blowing for me. I, I mean, I was reeling for about three months after I came back. I just, I was trying to compute what had happened to me. And uh, literally it was almost like my brain was trying to get in sync with something. I was just couldn't figure it out, which, you know, I'm a fairly analytical person in a way and fairly grounded, but eventually I understood that these, the crystal skulls are something you can't explain. They're mysterious, they're a mystery, but there are a number of theories. One theory is that our ancient ancestors left information that there are 13 crystal skulls placed across the planet that hold this information that when humanity is ready and the time is right that these information these skulls will come together again and they will release their information and we will enter a new golden age of peace and harmony uh, there's another theory that says that it was extraterrestrials that left their information inside these skulls but whatever the power of the skulls is um, there are stories about the skulls in almost all the indigenous cultures mm -hmm. and they're all saying much the same thing 
So after that, I realized that uh, what happened on that journey actually was with the crystal skulls, we came in touch with this powerful skull in Palenque. And I went into um, an altered state almost immediately I met the skull. We later sat around the skull in a circle to meditate and as luck would have it, I was sitting directly facing the skull and we started to chant and then all of a sudden I felt the chant turn to channel and this column of fire just pouring up through my body like a kundalini awakening. Right. And I saw the sound pour out of my mouth and into the top of the skull, into the head of the skull, into the crown. And I knew in that instant, without knowing anything about crystal skulls, I knew in that moment that the sound coming through me was activating the crystal skull and the crystal skull was then activating everybody in the circle. So that set me off on a whole new journey with my sound. And I started to use the sound with, I got a little crystal skull on that journey. And I, again, it was a huge leap of faith and took a lot of courage. I just, I decided I had to share this energy with people. And so I started to do crystal skull events where I, people were able to experience the energy of the skulls and I would bring through a channeling <coughs> which would activate them into um, this energy of the skulls. So, I mean, that's a whole other story, my journey with it. It's skull. another wonderful story. <laughs> another po- another podcast. <laughs> it's just, again, stranger than fiction. But um, that was my first sacred journey. And from there, then I've been to many other sacred power portals. And I'm understanding that it's almost again like the crystal skulls these sacred sites these stones whether it be stone circles or temples or whatever they hold information they hold energy and i think many of them have been in a sort of a totally dormant or semi-dormant state for centuries maybe millennia but now seems to be the time for these sites to be activated again. And part of what I understand my role is that I'm drawn to certain of these sacred sites and that my sound, the sound, when I say my sound, the sound coming through me is in some way assisting with the activation or the reactivation of these sites. It's also further activating me and the other people who are going to do ceremony in these places but in some way, I think it's also activating the sites themselves. So Amazing, amazing, amazing. <laughs> it is. What an incredible journey of it, your life. It, it is. Not just, that, not just that little aspect of it. <laughs> it. Look, it has been an incredible journey. And I do feel incredibly blessed to, um, I suppose, to have found my gift uh, my, I started off as an actress you know and that was my passion your your work is all about passion. Uh, passion I had one passion when I was growing up and that was acting mm. that was my way of because I was a super sensitive child very very shy and at the age of 11 or something like that I, I was in my first play and I discovered the power <laughs> that was in there that was my first channeling i suppose to bring the energy true, yeah. of, 
of this character through me and to be somebody else. And so that was my passion, really. And I didn't think it would ever change. But then during that period of that, you know, that dark night of the soul, that time when I got sick and all of this started, that all sort of began to wane and peter out. And then the other, this other journey took over. Interestingly, again, using my voice. Mm. Uh, it's always my voice has always been a focal uh, point of the passion, but the passion has, has morphed, let's put it that way. Look, I love doing these podcasts and I'm passionate about speaking, but unfortunately I have the worst singing voice in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would turn it off. <laughs> so you're very lucky. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not a trained singer. I mean, that's the other amazing thing. You know, I am not a trained singer. I, even when I was acting, I think I maybe sang once on stage. So um, what I know is that this is coming through me it's not something i've copied or you know set out to learn or whatever it's something that it, it's what i would call a gift and we all have a gift mm. you know your gift is i i don't know you apart from our conversation today but obviously your gift is to is to bring information to people is to connect people it's to open the doorway for people it's to open people's horizon to uh, these other worlds that are out there. And uh, and by the way, everybody can sing. Everybody's got a voice. Um, I, I can sing. Uh, I just wouldn't want anyone to hear it. <laughs> I don't think I'd activate anyone through <laughs> singing. Otherwise, yes. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I think that is the thing. It's uh, finding your passion and finding your gift is a blessing. It is. And it's so wonderful to see your strength of character and your confidence in what you do. And in a lot of my guests, you know, it's the confidence, it's the trust in yourself, in your abilities, trusting your intuition and following your passion. It's, it's so important. It is, you know, and that's not to say, believe me, I, I get very nervous. I get, you know, I get performance anxiety. I get, you know, before this interview today, I'm, you know, a nervous wreck. You know? Really? Yeah, so I still have that, you know, this is the thing, you know, um, the human aspect of ourselves is always going to be there. Mm. And this, is, this is the realm we're in, you know, this is our challenge, is sure. rise above and stand up and face our fear and, and just do it anyway, as they say, you know, yeah. and, uh, and when we do that, the sense of freedom and the exhilaration and the, and just the fulfillment you can get out of that is, is fantastic. So, you know, to any of your listeners who are, you know, think that they have, um, something that they can do, but they're afraid they're thinking, Oh, well, no, nobody want to hear me or nobody don't, be afraid, do it anyway, you know, because so what if you fail? We're always failing. We fail every day, you know, but you know, you've got a new day, you've got a new moment, you've got a new hour, you know. You exactly. And sometimes the things that, you know, really, really scare you the most, it, it kind of means you need to do it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's about facing your biggest fear because from there you will receive your greatest gifts. That was beautiful. You mentioned before, just briefly, that you said you might have a message for me. <laughs> and I wasn't going to ask, but you said if I agreed. 
Well, I was giving that as a hypothetical. Ah, okay. <laughs> I can do that. I'm feeling, yes, if you would like, I can bring it through now. It will be in light language, I'm pretty sure. I cramdi ducele la rande du cosuare ne kelelite putsere natur mesali cramducele la marutete. Vijali lindu coratele le lepetendo conari cel curate le domani. Siano teru kero shwari tatune. Yonde kare tasio nukondatene. Yande dujarite te kujnatunu. Kande duje dujate kande datunu. Yondatunu. Yondatunu. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was their song for you. Thank you very much. And how does that make you feel? 
Well, like again, as I said, the tears come. Because um, the energy is so, so loving and so sweet. And uh, you know it's just coming from a place of total compassion. Amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. I guess on a final note, is there anything you'd like to share with our audience? Well, just follow your passion, whatever it may be. And I think to do that, we have to, particularly in this age we're living in, where we're bombarded with information 24-7, where our technology is on 24-7. I think what we have to do is carve out time when we switch all of that off and we just be with ourselves because I think the only way you can really truly find your passion is to go within. And hopefully it won't take you 10 years like it did with me. (laughs) (laughs) Things are happening a lot quicker these days. I'm just finding mine now. I think we have to go within. We have to take the time, whether it's in your bedroom, in your bed when you wake up, Um, particularly I think getting out into nature for me it's walking on the beach just everything drops away whether it's hugging a tree whatever it is nature is a great leveler I think it's a great way of detuning and defogging from all the sort of technological smog but somehow you have to find the space to allow yourself to uh, get in touch with your creative center because uh, you know that's our imagination and it's our imagination that can show us what we're what's possible and it's our imagination that helps us to dream and then you just have to have the courage to follow your dream whatever that is and just know that you can do it know if you can think it it's possible Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really, really beautiful and so true and so heartfelt and so honest. So it's been, Leah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful delight to have you on the show. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be here, Louisa. And I hope that uh, maybe uh, our conversation has touched at least one person out there and helped them to decide that they're going to follow that passion. And again, just briefly, anyone that would like to contact Leah, all her details will be in the show notes. So thank you very much. Thank you, Louise. Bye-bye. Bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. If you would like to know more, follow Passion Harvest on Instagram or Facebook or watch the complete interview on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. Please subscribe to our podcast and rate and review it. Share it with a friend and inspire them to develop their passions. Goodbye and until next time every day, may you be more and more passionate.